0: Welcome to The Radical Bureaucrat, a podcast about people who want to change institutions from the inside.
1: And we're back. It is the afternoon of Monday, March 16th, and Abram and I, Sam, are coming back after a long hiatus in the midst of the coronavirus epidemic. We thought that this was a good time to resuscitate The Radical Bureaucrat. Today we're going to get you all caught up a little bit on who we are and why we do this.
0: Yeah, that's right. And before we talk more about what we're doing here, uh, let's just take a minute to introduce who we are. So, you know, people who are just tuning in for the first time or or don't uh, stumbled upon this somehow, let's introduce who we are.
1: Yeah. So um, we're going to base this on a a great new podcast called Sunstorm that's put out by two of our idols, Alicia Garza and Ai-jen Poo. And the way they introduced themselves on their podcast was by bragging on each other. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to brag on each other. I'm going to start by bragging on you, Abram. You ready?
0: Yeah, I've been looking forward to it.
1: (laughs) All right. So, my friend, Abram Guerra, is a father, a husband, an activist. Uh, He is a native of East Los Angeles. Yeah, baby. Um, Yep. He is of Mexican and Apache descent. And he brings that ethos of where he comes from into every space that he walks into um, purposefully uh, because he's modeling for us how we should be in touch with our roots and why that matters. So professionally, he calls himself a recovering MBA. He works for the New York City Department of Education in a central office where he leads innovative policy and research work. Uh, prior to that, he worked in public health and mobile health startups in Boston, and he built a boutique consulting business in Los Angeles. I met Abram because we were both founding steering committee members for the Alliance of School Integration and Desegregation, and um, he's just somebody who I, I turn to for all kinds of wisdom, wisdom about how to hold on to our values about how to be in relationship and community with each other. Um, and, and basically how to just be the type of people we, we say we want to be.
0: Oh, thanks That's Sam. It.
1: You're welcome. <laughs>
0: So, uh, yeah, it's my turn to, to say nice stuff about you. Um, so, uh, yeah, Sam, Sam is, uh, yeah, legit. One of the people who I, uh, really, uh, I don't know about naturally, I don't have a lot of natural humility, but, but I naturally kind of look to Sam, uh, for, to make sense of things, um, to, you know, I, I'm the kind of person who sort of come up, comes up with a lot of wild theories and idea, but Sam has a kind of steadiness to him that I think is, um, I don't know something I really look up to. Um, I think Sam, uh, you know, in in his work in uh, District 79, which is the uh, alternative schools district in New York City, where um, a lot of our students with a lot of specific and uh, complicated, challenging situations uh, are trying to finish out their high school career and and uh, you know move move into the workforce. Um, yeah, he 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 his work with uh, helping students to reenter. Uh, from incarcerated settings reenter into school settings um, is something that I'm constantly bragging about. Uh, And he doesn't realize often how often somebody Mm -hmm. is out there bragging about him. Um, uh, You know, as he mentioned, we spent some time together uh, in the Alliance for School Integration and desegregation. And, and, uh, you know, I, I still support that a little bit from afar and Sam is still very much involved uh, in, in that fight. And, and uh, you know, in, in many ways, the, um, the, the core, uh, civil rights fight that is ongoing is the is the fact that we still have uh, systems, school systems and, and mm-hmm. other systems that are segregated, separate, mm-hmm. um, and that allows us to maintain certain uh, forms of oppression. Um, I also love that Sam uh, is a, a, a dad who spends, uh, who chooses to invest a lot of his time uh, with his kids, who chooses to make the most of the mm-hmm. time that he has. Uh, you know, recently his his boys started to get really into baseball and Sam started coaching Little League uh, uh, with his boys. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that, um, you know, when you've got a lot going on and there's urgent work around justice and equity, it feels like that's that's kind of things that are hard to find time for. But but I think finding time for connecting and um, even, you know, even the way that baseball is a sport that's passed from father to son, you know, is... is uh, I just have so much love and admiration and respect for Sam. Um, and so when he says, let's talk for 30 minutes and release a podcast episode, I'm like, yeah, man, let's do it. I'm in. Yeah. Thank you so much, Abram. Um,
1: So we should all brag on each other a little bit more, especially these days. Um,
0: yeah, it's like slightly uncomfortable for someone to brag, brag on you, but it's good. It's a good thing it to, is. It is. to yeah. appreciate each other.
1: Right. So, so, Abram, you want to talk a little bit about uh, why are we doing this and, and why are we doing it now?
0: Yeah, so we originally started uh, the Radical Bureaucrat podcast because we wanted to explore how we personally could be true to, to these really deeply held values that we have, particularly values around social justice and, and equity and the, the idea that the ground is not level and we have to make it level in order for people to have the same kinds of opportunities and dignity as each other. And doing all of that and believing all of that, living out those beliefs while inside of these institutions that sometimes seem to act against those very things, seem to try to limit our ability to act on our values uh, for equity and equality. On the first season, we had some really, really great interviews with changemakers, people who... Uh, helped us to explore themes about what it means to love, uh, to to show love, express love, to receive love uh, in a bureaucracy. Uh, How do we rock the boat and not fall out of it? How do we build community with others, even when the system tells us to stay in our lane?
1: Yeah, that's right. And, you know, all of that feels particularly relevant right now. Yeah, The landscape is shifting under all of our feet so quickly. Uh, And we wanted to do something that could help bring people together, hopefully, and hopefully also share some useful information in as quick, as close to real time as we could. So, so what we're trying to do here is to put out brief, unedited conversations, all right? <laughs> you may hear us pause, you may hear us fumble, mm-hmm. uh, but we're trying to do this quickly. We don't have a lot of bandwidth for editing, so we're just trying to put something out quickly, get it to you fast, because by tomorrow what we say today may not be so relevant, right? Mm -hmm. And um, we want to do this for the foreseeable future every day. Uh, So we're going to give it a shot. We'll give it our best shot. And Abram and I are going to be talking together. But when we can, we'll also bring on guests. Uh, Hopefully, you know, we're looking to get guests from all over the world, really. Uh, I think one of the lessons of this virus that's really hitting people right now is, how interconnected we are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's a
1: lesson for social justice advocates and mm-hmm. warriors that, that we talk about in theory, but is like in practice, in, in, in super practical terms being felt. And so it's a great opportunity for us to hear from people from everywhere. Um, and if you have suggestions for who we should talk to, if you want to be on the show, you know, because we're doing this every day, just uh, tweet at us, at Rad Bureau. We'll talk about that more later. But um, we're, we're out here, and uh, and let us know. So, let's start a little bit more in terms of what's going on right now, um, what's going on with ourselves. So Abram, you know you and I are in New York City. We both work for the New York City Department of Education. we both live in upper Manhattan. Um, but aside from that context, what's life like for you right now? what's going on?
0: That's a big question um, yeah i i uh, I think the predominant uh, mood is one of kind of anxiety and fear coupled with, a, a real deep desire to like hold that, um, in check because there's going to be work to do here. Uh, and you know, I think, uh, the governor put it well on his press conference the other day that, you know, it's, it's a wave and it's going to hit. We need to assume that the wave is going to hit, um, and that has a ton of implications like you know, somewhat early on, I started to share opinions uh, uh, somewhat broadly that that really we should be closing down schools if this is as serious as they're saying it is. And now here we are. Schools are closed. And even that, you know, a lot of people were were piling on. Uh, And even I was second guessing myself when I saw people responding to everything the mayor said with close the schools, close the schools, close the schools. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. and yet, um, you know, that's a very complicated issue. Because, Mm -hmm. by the way, like a fifth of our students are housing insecure. Um, Mm -hmm. 70-plus percent of our students have have extreme economic needs um, in the public district system. Um, And so what does it mean to shut down these sort of hubs of these communities Um, for safety? You know, we have to. Uh, We wouldn't if we didn't have to. But what does it mean to... um, be able to provide the kind of care and really basic services that people are going to need to survive over the next few months. Right. Yeah, um, and
1: today is the first day that schools have closed. Um, again, mm-hmm. it's Monday, March 16th. And part of what we're doing here is creating this historical record. So we're just going to be kind of dropping some of these key things. So last night the mayor said that five people had died um, from the coronavirus. You know, so the wave hasn't – it feels like the wave is, is – like. Mm -hmm. it can feel like we're drowning sometimes right now, but the actuality is we know we haven't gotten to the worst part. So we're all bracing ourselves right
0: now. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, this has
1: only been one day of schools being closed. Restaurants have just been announced that they need to close. Like these things are, are only starting. It's only the tip of the iceberg, Mm -hmm. even though the anxiety level has been rising for weeks. Um, and it should probably should have been rising for months, but really I would say, um, A few
0: weeks. Yeah. And I mean, that personally translates into a lot of um, sort of tension, a lot of stress expressing Mm -hmm. itself as shortness or or, um, even defensiveness. You know, Lisa and I have been Mm -hmm. kind of clocking how how many times a day we're fighting and and like Mm. trying to remind ourselves that like, no, no, like this is definitely the people who I want to be stuck on a desert island with. Let's let's get yeah. past this fighting thing, because our ability to give anything to the people around us who have needs relies on our ability to take care of ourselves and our family first. And I think that's a difficult yeah. thing. E- even seeing lots of different companies make uh, make decisions about what kinds of leave to give people, what kinds of ways to support mm-hmm. the employees that work for them, the families that rely on on that income, Um yeah, this is, a, this is a historic time that we're living through. How have you guys been, Sam? Yeah. Like, is, is this, how has this touched your family? Yeah,
1: um, well, I feel very grateful because it's going to be very hard, but my kids are 8 and 11, and so they're at an age where, first of all, <laughs> that's, they can play with each other. Like they've been playing board games together. They, they bicker and fight a lot, but, but they have a companion. So, number one, we've got a companion. Number two, we have a two bedroom apartment in New York City. So, for four people, that's, that's comfortable. Um, and so, we have some space, not a lot of space for anyone to have privacy, but uh, we have this space. Um, we're not cash insecure right now. I'm still drawing a paycheck. And so, um, you know, we have these fundamental things. And, and I'm choosing to stay home. Technically, I was, you know, we're getting the, the guidance about what we're supposed to do is shifting in terms of coming in or staying home or whatever. But, you know, at this point, I feel like for public safety, for public health and for my own family's health and my own health, um, it just doesn't make sense for me to go to the office. I don't I'm not and my role is not essential right now. Uh in terms of what I do, because everything else, everything, all, you know, if I'm talking about enrolling in school, well, that's on hold. Like that's a big part of my job. So, so, you know, the things that I would normally do, uh, facilitating workshops, like I, I can't do that right now. So, hmm. I'm trying to stay focused um, on what's most important. And also, if I could make a contribute to the larger good, I I would do that. But going to into the office is not it for me right now
0: um, yeah that is
1: actually counterproductive yeah. so anyway getting back to my family like what we've done and again I'm grateful that we have a, this, this, the unit that we have but but we've been talking for a few days going back to last week about what are we gonna do if we stay home and we've been talking to the kids about it and what can we what could be the silver linings as a family like what are the things that we'll enjoy doing together Um and this morning we spent some time as Abram knows I I love nothing more than planning. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that is the bureaucrat in me like yep. expressed most clearly. Thank goodness uh, you. So thank goodness that's I true. All, what's that?
0: I said thank goodness that's true.
1: Yeah, right. Um, we both benefit from it, but the uh you know, every, I use everything I've learned about strategic planning as a as a bureaucrat with my family when I can. And so um we did some brainstorming this morning and made a daily schedule for the rest of the week um and we've been able to stick to it so it's now uh almost five o'clock and the kids ha- are having screen time and i'm doing my radical bureaucrat time um, i took them out the last three days in a row to the a baseball field near us in harlem um and no one else is on the field you know and again i feel like that's nice for us it does make me feel a little bit guilty that they're aren't other kids who could be enjoying this time out here on the field um and yet for us it's, it's a safe activity it's something that my kids enjoy and i'm just grateful for it i'm worried because we're getting rain this week um mm-hmm. and you know we could really get some serious cabin fever with the kids uh over yeah. the next few days if we have to stay in but but other than that you know we're we're, we're coping.
0: Yeah, Lisa made the joke that all we need now is like a incoming hurricane, <laughs> like. Right. Uh, oh, oh, my God. Yeah, um, but but that you know that kind of speaks to um, a, a, a larger history uh, and context of of the northeastern United States. You know, we we kind of have these crisis drills a few times a year, um, and increasingly with climate change, we've had increasing uh, drills, increasing runs on the supermarket, increasing you know uh uh waste wastelands that then within a few days are finally cleared up um and this seems very different i think just the timeline is very different when the when i read the cdc recommendations and they said you know eight eight weeks if if it's a high um if it's in a high state of the of the virus being spread you know things would need to close for eight weeks in order for things to to in order for the virus to be abated so Gosh, that, that I cannot imagine being locked in with a family for, you know, and, and even like I mentioned, housing insecure students in New York City, that often means that you have more than one family living in an apartment. And so yeah. how, how does that work when you have to stay in the apartment with, you know, two or maybe three families in, in that same kind of, you know, two bedroom uh, unit? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. Um, I also thought as you were talking that like this issue of working from home is a big issue. And I think yeah. we still are not at a place. You know, we've had computers for decades now and we all, you know, we all have been on one or more webinars that worked well, but we've also all been on webinars that were terrible. And it's still, for yep. some reason, that seems to be, you know, the, the average webinar, the, the median webinar randomly sampled is going to have hiccups and problems. And so, you know, I can understand why employers or managers leaders don't want, uh, people to work from home. That's a lot of freedom and risk, and 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 probably a drop in productivity. And yet, at a time like this, where people have this kind of fear, where people are looking to leaders to to lead, to to tell them it's it's going to be fine. We know we, we got this. We're going to do this. We're going to be okay. You know, to to see so many organizations either being silent or um, going the opposite way, saying you know we want everybody to double down on attending on coming in to the office, Mm. Um, just, yeah. I mean, I I think there are probably lots and lots of case studies to be written about how leaders and managers have decided to take care of their people um, beyond the kind of simple boundaries of like making sure people have their HR issues. But like in a time of crisis like this, which may or may not be increasingly common, how do you take care of people and build real community even inside of an office?
1: Yeah. So, you know, we have um, a couple of questions we wanted to ask each other, and I think that's a good lead-in to the first question, and I'm going to ask it to
0: myself. <laughs> yeah, and to be so, clear, these are, these are questions that we want to ask to any of our guests to try and yeah, surface exactly. um, the same stuff as we talk but, to multiple people.
1: Yeah, so the tie-in here, the, the, the first question we were going to ask ourselves is, what is an important challenge that you as an individual are facing today? And so one of the things that's happening to with me and Abram is because we work in this very large bureaucracy, largest school system in the country, over a hundred thousand employees. Um, there's this issue of who's supposed to work. Uh, and um, you know, what does it mean to work from home? And so just a little bit of context uh, yesterday, the mayor said schools are closed, but it's a snow, treat it like a snow day. And when there's a snow day, Central employees like me and Abram
0: uh, yeah, you're are still expected going to, the to office. report to the
1: office. Yep. And so it's a little touchy because Abram and I don't want to, like, we're not here to get anyone in trouble, let, let alone get ourselves in trouble by getting too specific about what's happening in our particular workplaces. But we are hearing and seeing around the DOE.
0: And beyond. With, you know, I have friends beyond that that are, yeah. that are texting and calling.
1: Yes. Yeah. Right, and it's not so. It's not just here in the Department of Education, but just to ground it there, right? So, so this notion of central employees are expected to report to work, and so then, how are different bosses messaging that to their employees? How are people interpreting that? And then, what happened was that late last night, um, a guidance went out that is completely unprecedented in the history of the New York City Department of Education. It says that people can work from home, but it has to be approved by supervisors, and there's some guidelines in place around, you know, that the work has to be, uh, you know, that the work can't be impeded by being at home. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, all of our work is impeded. <laughs> like, like I said right. earlier, everything is impeded. Mm-hmm. So whether I'm in the office or not, my work is impeded. So the challenge for me right now is both for myself trying to figure out how to be a good employee of this system that i believe provides a very important service at this time and then there's another piece too abram which is i also supervise a team so i mm-hmm. supervise people who work in courthouses mm-hmm. and i've got six employees who work in courthouses full-time around the city and this morning the guidance went out um, to all the courts it said or made it may have gone out last night but it said non-essential employees are not to go into work after today. Mm-hmm. And yet my employees are central employees. Mm-hmm. So I've got mixed messages, right? Central employees are supposed to, work to w- go to work, but you're not allowed to go to your work.
0: Before, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Right? And so how am I messaging this? And I think what you said, and I saw someone tweeted something like this, is that all the lessons, all the... Harvard Business Review articles, or or whatever. Maybe they're not Harvard Business Review. Maybe it's something much more sure. alternative than that. But the everything that we've learned, you know, the reading, the bell hooks that you and I have been reading on love, um, or or the models of people like Ai Poo or or whoever else. Everything that we've learned about how to be caring leaders is super relevant right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And it's also made so much harder. Abram, because I think about, man, if ever there were a moment that I wish Obama was still president, because not (laughs) you went there, (laughs) not only because the federal government would be much more competent at this time, but because every single leader in this country would have a model to look to in terms of how to be calm, how to be clear. Right. And and um, and I think that it's hurting leadership at every level. From, from governors to mayors, to superintendents to principal like we don't we don't have that model from the top. And so instead I think the alternative is we really really have to look at our values right now mm-hmm. because we can't expect that leadership above us is always going to have the right answer
0: because yeah. Or an answer when you look to the
1: very top or an answer right? Because when you look to the very top, it's not happening, right? And so the, the, the model from the very top is not there. And so we really have to look internally at what are our values, what type of people do we want to be in this situation. Um, and in some sense, that has to, that has to be our guiding light. And yet we don't want to fall out of the boat, right? Comes down to this, rock the boat, don't, don't fall out. Like, hold on to our values, but, but to what extent? Because rules are being promulgated even as we speak.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, so that's the challenge you're facing today is, is that, uh, yeah. that leadership and what, what many people in my circle are calling how, how I show up, how I show up as a leader given the situation and given my mm-hmm. values and dispositions, um, yeah. And you know, I, I think there will be a, a broad spectrum. You know, I think we'll have some stories of people who really, you know, figure out some some things, uh, and some people who really are bad examples. <laughs> um, even the you know the the Amazon um, you know uh, uh, donate sick time story, right? Uh, the Mm -hmm. richest, Mm -hmm. perhaps CEO in the world, not the richest, but one of the richest men in the world, Jeff Bezos, owner of Amazon said, you know, people can loan sick time when people have this pandemic disease and everyone immediately was like, what is wrong with you? Like, Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, either way, whatever, whatever we do, I do, I do firmly believe that people are going to tell the story about this time and what we did. And I think that's why it's important for us to kind of capture some of it too. I think the biggest mm-hmm. challenge that I'm facing today um, is a little more, um, I guess, close to home. It is at home. So I think, I've, I think I've operated, and Lisa and I have been, Lisa and my wife, Lisa, and I have been kind of decompressing this one for a little while, that like we have moved so many times and we have um, just shoved things into a box or a bag and moved on with so many little projects mm-hmm. around the house. Um, that, that we've kind of turned into a little bit of a, of a uh, clutter storm. Um, and mm. so, you know, today when I got the news that we were going to be working remotely, um, I needed a place to sit, to, to do my work. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. and, I'm actually, and I'm actually sitting right now in the workshop, the little tiny wood shop that Lisa built in the backyard for her, for her mm. um, furniture making. Uh, while mm-hmm. she finishes um, organizing and and setting things up in the in the inside of the apartment and so uh, that the biggest challenge uh, the the most important challenge that I'm facing right now is making sure that we have those like uh, kind of space resources that we need to be able mm-hmm. to operate um, and then I, I feel like we have a big one on the horizon which is I, I we really think that Lisa's probably going to get called into the um, hospital reservist program that the, gov- mm. that the governor um, said that we need to be anticipating, and so we're we're expecting mm. that pretty soon here, Lisa is going to get called up into service. And and as a nurse, um, you know her her reaction immediately is, yeah, that's how it is. If there's an emergency, you you are taught from very early age that in nursing that like that's just how it is. You show up, you you okay. deal with the emergency because that's you're a professional. That's what you do. Um, but having an eleventh month old baby and daycare is closed <laughs> along with the right. schools. Um, right. you know, that makes a lot of variables for us to have to figure out on an hour by hour basis. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's going to be a lot. Yeah. Oof. wow. Abram. Yeah, man.
1: Um, I hadn't even, it hadn't even occurred to me about Lisa needing to go in as a reservist nurse. So I'm just kind of sitting with that. Like that's, that's yeah. a lot. And then that's, that's real. That's like obviously, you know, you're not the only family facing nope. a challenge like yeah. that. Yeah. But
0: yeah. And the, but it's like yeah. in the
1: pandemic, when it hits close to home, it makes it all the more real. So I'm yep. just sitting with that.
0: Yeah. I'm really right now kind of sitting with there are so many people in this city who are first responders. Because the city yeah. is so large, there are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people who are either healthcare workers or first responders and are, and who are, you know, going to get the disease and have to cycle out and back into work over the course of the pandemic. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm, I don't know my hat's off to those people. I, I, you know, I like to think that in an emergency I'd be able to rise to the occasion, but I don't have any idea what I'm doing in a hospital, in a police uniform. I don't, that's not what I do. (laughs) And so I'm, you know, so grateful for people who are really going to stand in that gap and uh, you know, they're sort of in my heart as, as this all unfolds. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well said. So look, um, we're running up on time. So let's, let's do this kind of quickly, but uh, what's, the other question we wanted to ask is what's one thing that's bringing you a sense of calm in the midst of this storm?
0: Am I going first here? Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. I, I actually really feel, um, grateful that I do live, uh, in New York city on the Island of Manhattan, um, where we have, you know, I think it was, uh, was it 26 Uh, infectious disease scientists that signed a letter to the mayor. Uh, Like Mm -hmm. we have this wealth of expertise. You know, we have some of the best hospitals, uh, the best health, best trained healthcare professionals. Uh, uh, You know, I mentioned first responders. We have some of the most talented people in the world on this Island. Um, And that brings me a great sense of, of calm that like if something happens yeah, it's going to be crazy, but, like, there are also people out here trying to do this work. So I think that brings me comfort to know that there are people um, mm. here.
1: Yeah. So for me, um, you talked about Lisa. It's, it's really simple. It's my wife, Naima, um, who just has always been uh, the one to remind me to be in the moment, mm. um, to remind me what's important. And, uh, and lately she's been, as we talked about earlier, uh, reminding me of what type of person I want to be um, in this moment and, and what my values are. So just very, very grateful to be doing this with her. So um, i right, so say, Abram, we're going to wrap up uh, and we always like to end like good radicals. And so I'm going to start by asking you, what's one thing you learned today that you can use to create a more just and equitable world?
0: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm, I think I'm, uh, learning just how much help people need to be able to telecommute, (laughs) figure out their computer Mm -hmm. and their work from home situation. Uh, which means that there's a lot of good for me to do. Uh and and, and that I should uh default to like offering help and asking if, if people have any questions rather than assuming people are gonna figure it out. Yeah. That was earlier today, not on the podcast, but it well, right, the question right, is right. today. Yeah. Yeah, that
1: counts. Um I just Yeah, I'm just really feeling gratitude for having had the space to have this conversation with you. And I'm just reminded of the importance of our interconnectedness, um, our community. And, uh, you know, it's why we do this and uh, it just feels like the right time to, to start doing it again. I mean, the truth is as much as we love each other, we don't talk very much. And mm-hmm. the podcast is a great way for us to, to get back in communication. So I'm happy for that. And I'm realizing how much that matters.
0: Yeah, I'm grateful. I've been sad that we haven't been able to get more time. um, And so I'm grateful to be able to be working on this again.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. We should also end by being good bureaucrats uh, as always. And so um, the views expressed here are personal opinions and do not reflect the official or unofficial position of any government agency, policy, party, leader, or really anyone besides the two of us, and maybe you, but maybe not. This content has not been sponsored or approved by anyone. It was mostly just made because we wanted an opportunity to talk about things that matter to everyone, whether they realize it or not. Thanks for listening.
1: Thank you, everyone. Check us out on Twitter, Rad Bureau.
0: At R-A-D-B-U-R-E-A-U.
1: All right. Take care. We'll talk to you tomorrow.